Welcome to the Nerdaplexi Comic Movie Review Show. In this series, we are going to break down and analyze every comic movie released between 1989's Batman all the way to 2008's Iron Man. We are going to track the trends, hype the hits, and dunk on the duds, all in search of the perfect convergence of comics and cinema. Joining me on this epic journey is my longtime friend and frequent co-conspirator, Sam. Yeehaw, Ninja Cowboy. And since this is our very first sequel we're doing on the show, we thought we'd mark the occasion by inviting our very first guest. Uh, he is the social media manager here at Nerdaplexi, and you may know him as the uh, internet personality face of Dave. Dave. A little too Dave. Okay, very good. So sit back, relax, and grab your sausages as we ninja flip into Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the Ooze. Yeah, so that's that was a significant portion of the budget, getting that boy on, on board. For sure. Well, they doubled the budget for this one, too. Yeah. And, um, well, it's maybe not all on screen. It's mostly in marketing and going to Vanilla Ice. I got to say, I don't think it was wasted on Vanilla Ice. I think that was a necessary <laughs> addition. I think the Turtles would disagree. Well, they seem to have a great time. The Vanilla Ice security team attacked the Ninja Turtles when they first tried to come up on stage. They thought that they were... Just people from the crowd. Yeah. I think the one was trying to greet Vanilla Ice with a hug, and the security team did not take to that kindly. But the security team would have got their ass beat by all these karate-trained dudes. Those guys need to raise, because if you're trying to stop a six-foot-tall, <laughs> I'm going to have to say easily 350-pound turtle from running up on stage, man. Like, you need to keep him around. For sure. My dude's balling. Although he's not well, very good as visually assessing dangers because it was a big Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle and obviously nobody that was meaning harm to Mr. Vanilla. I mean, did he just not watch the whole interacting scene? Anyhow, well, we'll <laughs> get into that. We're going to get into some ninja talk. We're going to get into some Vanilla Ice, but we got to get through some of the plot first. But we're taking no time into rushing into this episode, and neither did the producers of this movie because they wanted to capitalize on the Ninja Turtle wave that was sweeping the country and they didn't think it was going to last very long so they pushed this one as hard as they could to get it out in under a year yeah 50 weeks i'm pretty sure it takes place one hour after movie one (laughs) yep i imagine there has to be some time in between because she's got a whole new apartment so i'm guessing it's maybe like a month maybe a month i think some of the scenes were pretty quick after and the big reveal in the beginning that shredder's still alive i had some issue with that where they show the garbage man who took the trash to the dump and Shredder sticks mm-hmm. his arm out. Didn't they want to go in and get that human body out of the trash compactor? You've never been in New York. True. That's <laughs> that, They probably crush good, a great deal of bodies on a yearly basis. Well, here's the thing. Did you think anybody told them? It's not like Casey Jones is like, hey, you might want to get this weird Japanese uh, ninja crime lord out of your truck. He's yeah. just fucking beast, man. He's out of here. That's wild. He's wearing a buzzsaw on his head. <laughs> I jumped ahead, though. So there's a lot that goes down before they reveal Shredder is still alive. Mm -hmm. Most of what goes down is you got to get every New Yorker eating a big old slice. Oh, so cheesy. 
So much gooey pizza. It was cheesy. We watched the cops partaking in some pizza. A little, yeah, a little brutality while they take a break. <laughs> this man tied up. <laughs> and all the mouth sounds. Pizza brutality. That is pizza brutality. <laughs> Polizza. Pol- <laughs> some cheese cutes. <laughs> Close. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about the origins here. This one was released March 22nd, 1991, and it was controversially directed by Michael Pressman. They changed the director from Steve Barron, who was the original director. And a lot of the cast and crew were not very happy with that decision, even up into including Eastman and Laird. Them two. Um, Jim Henson's son. Brian. Brian. He wouldn't work on this project. They were already contracted to do the new suits for the sequel, but Brian didn't want any parts of it because solidarity. Eastman and Laird wanted to go with Steve Barron because Michael Pressman's whole take on this was that, like, why don't we just make it like the cartoon? Parents were upset with how dark the first one was because, like, why wasn't it more like the cartoon? And at this point, the toyetic monster had already started rolling and there was no stopping the cartoonization. So they got rid of Baron because he wanted to make another kind of dark and moody, dope-ass movie. Instead, they made a cartoon sequel. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and partially the reason why they have a new April O'Neil Paige Turco this time around. For the first one, you had Judith Hogue, and she said that uh, it was A, too violent, and B, be mostly too unsafe of an environment for the stunt actors because mm-hmm. they had no union protection. They'd bring them in from Hong Kong. They'd get busted up. Then they'd send them back to Hong Kong and <laughs> fill in their spot. Yeah, exactly. In neither of these turtle costumes, the actors, the stunt actors playing the turtles can't see a damn thing. So, I, yeah, <laughs> I can't imagine this is a great set to work on. No. Didn't they tour in those turtle outfits? There was a turtle show that went around. There was two. The first one was a little bit more popular. Out of Our Shells, the (laughs) Out of Our Shells tour. And those were kind of like the Disney on Ice versions of these suits. Because the upgrade is immense. It's like a huge RC controller these guys wear and control all the inarguably much more expressive faces. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So like you said, Sam, we've got Paige Turco. Starring in this one, David Warner as the professor, Kevin Clash coming back as Splinter, Corey Feldman not asked back on this one because he was actually in rehab at the time and they were worried that that would draw negative attention to the film. They should have been worried about how bad their fucking replacement was because I hated his replacement. (laughs) All the other turtles are perfect. And maybe it's just because I watched the first movie so many times as a kid and I like loved it so much that it's like just the discordant nature of it. But I feel like everybody else really nails the vibe of the turtle and really encompasses. I mean, because these guys are all just longtime voice actors. Michael, I I don't know how to say his name. It's like Sasean. He's one of the fucking weird boys on Deep Space Nine. And we've got a new player replacing the ultra-violent Casey Jones. We've got little stinker (laughs) Kino, played by Ernie Reyes Jr. In the first one, he was one of the turtles, was he not? He was a stuntman. Yes, yes. He was one of the stuntmen in Donatello, and the producers were so impressed with him. They were like, well, let's get this guy in the movie. That's the first person we see is Kino. And they set up this great interaction with Kino and his boss. And his boss, they're sending a bunch of pizzas over to that O'Neill woman again. <laughs> they make comments about how she orders pizza all the time or whatever. So there's just like touching scene and the boss is like, hey, Kino, you be careful out there. It's, it's rough on those streets. Uh, a little a little bambino. <laughs> and it's very nice. And then it's immediately ruined when Kino goes out to his bike, puts the pizzas haphazardly, I may say, into his scooter and gets into a back and forth with some ladies standing out front. He asks them on a date. They rebuff him. Dream on, dream. And then he calls them fat. Well, when I do, I'll dream of something a little thinner. 
He just put the pizza straight up and down and tossed it in the bike. Uh-huh. So, several times. You can't hold pizzas like that. And these, well, these are special pizzas as well. These are the same pizza props they used in Ernest Scared Stupid. <laughs> a fun IMDb fact I found. Of course. Thanks, IMDb. <laughs> That's extremely important. <laughs> look, at, look out for it whenever you see Ernest Scared Stupid pizza props. Yeah, they'll be in the treehouse. They're throwing pizzas at the monsters, oh, and you'll see it. That's a very scary movie. <laughs> Halloween's right around the corner. Maybe we'll, we'll get some Ernest in there. Yeah. Make sure to grab your Miak. That's a deep cut for you <laughs> Ernest fans out there. All right, so Kino arrives at the residence, but what's this? Something's amiss. There's a robbery in progress. All these goons robbing this mall in the basement of April's building. He sees stuff in cars, so he assumes mm-hmm. that they're being robbed. And his first instinct is to step away from his scooter without taking the keys out, which I thought was pretty bold. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe he's preparing his escape. I don't know. Kino's not the... He's not the... Uh... The sharpest sigh in the uh, holster. <laughs> <laughs> the... The deepest dish in the box. I was trying to do a pizza thing, and I just kept thinking the smartest pepperoni, and that's not anything. No, it's nothing. He's not the smartest pepperoni. No. (laughs) He might be the smartest pepperoni, but that's it. I think he's the second smartest pepperoni. He's a meatball, that is for sure, because he engages with these goons. He rushes down there. He's wanting to put his martial arts training to the test and does a pretty good job. He beats like three guys up pretty good. A fun scissor kick move there. There's a couple of cool jumps and flips. And not just his martial arts, his five-minute stand-up set. He had quips set for each kick. You have to be ready with that. If you're going to be beating ass... You're going to be like, okay, what do I say if I beat ass in this way? <laughs> you obviously never took a we martial know- arts course before, Dave. That's true. That's the first thing they teach you. <laughs> well, yeah, he, that's his battle cries. His uh, quips are the, instead of like, ha, and they are, they're in a Bruce Lee voice. They're like, ha, lay down. <laughs> yeah, and, and the robbers, whenever he tries to, I guess, citizens arrest them at the beginning of that, he pulls up his stocking cap to see him, and he's like, what are you, night security? But what's the point in wearing those stocking caps if you're going to pull them back to get a better look at the other people (laughs) that are trying to identify you? The same people that take their masks off to sneeze. (laughs) Yeah, well, hey, Dave, this this is an evergreen podcast. (laughs) But there are no masks except for Ninja Turtle masks. Yes, that's the only ones. The Foot Clan masks are the only masks. He had to take his mask off so that he could get a a better look at this gabagool because he couldn't believe his eyes. All that being said, Kino, he does pretty well for himself, does some cool kicks and quips, but he is quickly outnumbered because there's more goons. Luckily, he's rescued by Ninja Turtles and their floating logo in a nice little freeze frame. Yeah, they jump on the trampoline and pause. It might be my favorite title freeze in, like, the history of title freezes. Even, like, the cool Secret of the Ooze font underneath. Everything about it was it was pretty cool. Yeah, it is very neat. Even the pizza's oozy in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> this whole first segment is basically the trailer. And this is where they spent the majority of their, like, time stunt-wise, for that matter. And they rehash their favorite joke where one of them says uh, says something gnarly and the other one says something else and then Donnie says something stupid. They do that like six fucking times in this. If it, it's so many times. If it was a drinking game where each turtle says one thing. Awesome! Wicked! Eclectic! Eclectic? Jeez. Acapella? Acapella. Okay, that one's pretty yeah, good. That one's I'll good. give that one up. That, that one's fine. Uh... 
Perestroika. Oh. Mm. That was a good one. I don't know. It was, it was a one. Um, uh, <laughs> this first sequence is one of the many times where you can see the studio notes. No violence. Every turtle needs to have like the exact same amount of lines. I think that was a studio note. So that way, no kid's favorite turtle is neglected or whatever. And then, yeah, like keeping it much more brightly lit. Yo-yo tricks. You have swords that you can't use. You have to use them as means of conveyance instead of as a weapon. Exactly. All the weapons are in the holster. And you brought up the sausages. Those were edited out of the European version of the movie because nunchucks are illegal in most of the EU. So they they weren't allowed to show them. Not even the sausages? Not even the sausages. Not even the sausages. Those were edited out. (laughs) That's so stupid. We got bonus sausage. Also, hey, whenever that happens, before he grabs the sausages, he jumps over the counter to tackle a goon. That's a fun scene. That's a good scene. And he says, you want a pickle? I'll give you a pickle. What does he mean by that? Dave was talking about Kino quipping. He's got nothing (laughs) on Mikey. Mikey has like three jokes every sentence, and it's nonstop. So most times, yeah, it's just it's just ad level. Like, we're in no, a deli. we can't Pickle. we can't disregard how definitely sexual that is. Okay, Sam, I understand what you're saying that he is green, so his turtle penis would be yes, his wiener would be also green, lumpy and green, like just a like gherkin. a big old gherkin. But we're skipping past it, Sam. We can't skip past we're it. Moving along. He's skipping past turtle phallus. I don't know. This seems like a mistake. This is the most important thing there is to me. Well, okay, that makes sense. That tracks. After some funny toy business here, we get a lot of the newer, friendlier studio action. It's all like fun and gags and stuff. They never use their weapons, and you get a a good glimpse of that here. And you also get a great glimpse of they're really putting the facial acting of the turtles. They really want you to see like, okay, look at all of the expression because they each mug for the camera doing their different expressions. Donnie does a uh-huh, one of these uh, things. Mikey's crazy. You know, Raph scowls and Leo's just Leo, I guess. <laughs> That's good. He's the dud. They tell Kino, go call the cops. We're going to tie these goons up and they obviously disappear. Cut this back in with the sausage thing. I would say that's a, a meat cute. <laughs> that's just the regular one, though, Sam. That's just it. But it's meat, M-E-A-T. Is it a spiced meat cute? Yeah, but it's, I mean, it's in this audio format. That's indistinguishable. Well, they know what I mean. <laughs> they know what meat is. <laughs> that's not That's not a discussion. That's not a discussion. Well, yes, obviously. <laughs> okay, well, I mean. Fine. It's seasoned meat cute. Uh, okay, well. Yeah. Uh, aged meat cute. We'll circle back. Aged meat cute. We'll circle back. I'll have a different one later, maybe. I don't know. I didn't come up with one, but just give me some time. I think meat cute's fine, but I mean, it is the thing. It's, I mean, it's funny. That's that's why it's the funny thing. It's objectively funny, but it's also the the, the same word. <laughs> I know. It's, well, it's not the same word. You don't spell it the same. All right. I mean, you're technically correct. The best kind of correct. We see all the turtles. <laughs> we see all their fun new faces. And they're, they're new, like, liver spots, which I always bothered me as a kid that these ones have, like, spots all over them as, you know, but that's me. We also see our new April. Sam, is this your April? Is this the same as? It's my April, okay. yeah, yeah, because I spent a lot more time watching probably number three as a child because that was the one we had the VHS of. I don't think we had, do we have this one, Dave? We did. Dave's my brother, by the way. Yes. Yeah, we, we had this one. I, I watched it to literal death, the first one, I should say. Yeah, well. Well, I watched number three most, uh, probably because it had that yellow label VHS. Mm, it's very cool. 
Well, this yeah. was they know what kids like. Th- th- this is more in your gurus. three is right in your like kind of turtle zone because there is like a zone where for some reason all kids are the idea of a ninja turtle is very appealing. <laughs> as evidenced by like the cartoon still exists so like i don't know mm-hmm. six-year-olds are still nuts for these pizza loving amphibs but like you know okay so we see april and this is yeah this is april and i will say i'm a judith hogue stan here but at the same time Paige turco is doing a great job she's got great flustered april energy because judith hogue is a little bit more passionate like the first movie it's more scary and violent with Paige turco she's giving you that great student teacher energy do you know what I mean? Mm. Mm. She yeah. She's the authority, but she's also your pal. She gets the jokes, guys. Right. Mm. Although I do find it disturbing that why does she love these guys so much? Because whenever they like mug and do pranks and stuff, she loves it. She absolutely loves mm. it. But like, why? Why? This, this one's Throwing not. napkins all over the place. She lives with four turtles and a rat. Can you imagine the smell in that fucking apartment? Hey, the rat's the cleanest one. I have a red-eared slider turtle, and they stink when you clean it. That's what I'm saying. They're motherfucking stinky. Regular turtles, like a box turtle, is stinky. And these mugs are six feet tall, and there's four of them. (laughs) And and they're teenagers. But they're also like, okay, do they use the toilet regularly? Do they have all of the right back to that? Right, we're right back spots. at that penis phallus, huh, aren't we? Here we are. <laughs> no, I'm just asking if they use a, if they use a bathroom, if they wipe. I feel like a turtle, like a regular old turtle, is just pooping in the water. How as could, it goes? How could they possibly wipe? They have shells in the way. I don't know. They have to Where like, does it come out of? I don't know from turtles. There's no way these turtles are lactose tolerant. That's for sure. I don't care what <laughs> mutation they're under. So yeah, they're they're doing some damage. That's true. I'm just saying I don't know from turtle uh, anatomy physiology yeah these guys are certainly a special case because every now and then for the most part the the costume design is like flawless and you you don't really think about it but every now and again you get this angle and you're like oh what is trying to think about these creatures as real (laughs) actual organic beings they have thighs they're not just turtles they're obviously anthropomorphic Mm -hmm. turtles so they i mean i i would assume that their business Mm -hmm. is ever so slightly different from a turtle but probably closer (laughs) to a human's business (laughs) <laughs> just based on their body types some so shape what, of water business here there's a flap you know yeah <laughs> but it can't be like a full size because it is still a mutation and does it work well, i don't know uh well Do we guys know? i think the thing the real thing here is i we're talking cloaca territory here so like it's real oh different. yeah okay it, there's a whole so, they got a whole true. different business down there yeah it's all different business but they also don't have like thighs and stuff that these things mutated to have well just looking at a picture very of these sinewy human type muscles mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we learn later that the ooze is contaminated they never say what it's contaminated with i'm guessing like maybe just like human dna or something maybe that's mm-hmm. not. but anyhow maybe yes right so let's let's get let's what <laughs> now let's stay on this for another half yeah, hour I'm, I'm really trying to pull away from the whole gherkin discussion here but we just keep bringing <laughs> me right back do turtles lay eggs um yeah yes. for sure these turtles okay. would probably not they would fertilize yeah. eggs they have lady turtles in. There was a live action TV show, wasn't there? Oh yes, wasn't there with yes. the lady turtles? Yes, I think it was like a mini series or something. But there was a lady turtle. Yeah, something. and I do know what you're talking about. And I think that's the same lady turtle. She's like a lady Leonardo or something. She's like got a purple mask, mm-hmm. I believe. Not a purple. It's like a lilac mask, maybe. We digress. Yeah, that was far past my turtle era. 
There is certainly a human physiology about these turtles. April does not love it. I would not want to even live with four human teenagers, let alone turtle ones. So they're kind of looking for a new place. But we do get some hijinks in the apartment. The turtle punishment that Splinter doles out in this one, which I love, is backflips. Ten of them. He doles out ninja flips, he calls them. You too. Backflips, no. Then they have to kind of compete to do them as quickly. There was also some dispute amongst the stunt actors because I guess one of the stunt actors, they wanted to hire someone else to do the backflips because he had never done a back handspring before, I guess. And they were like looking for something. He's like, no. And he just like worked on it until he got it and they saw him doing it. And they're like, okay, you can do the backflips because I guess all of the stunt doubles had to do back handsprings uh, because of this punishment motif. (laughs) This is one of the funnier kind of of gags in the movie some of them land most of them don't but this one certainly lands for me oh i wanted to mention april o'neill has a perfectly stereotypical grocery bag when she comes in a brown paper bag Mm. with a baguette and like celery hanging out of the side a loose baguette you just lose bread the only thing that didn't happen is she didn't drop it and have like four oranges roll out right (laughs) yeah the the oranges stayed inside the bag (laughs) but i'm sure there were oranges in there that's the only mm, thing yeah. you can have in a movie grocery store bag. In one off-label can. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> and this is where we see Shredder's hand emerge out of the thing mm. and he unburies himself. Splinter says to not worry about Shredder and the Foot Clan because that, leave that in the past. It is long buried. And then Shredder literally unburies himself. It wasn't long buried. <laughs> it was like yeah, maybe a month. <laughs> yeah, a little. Could he have lived a month buried? They didn't say like a month earlier. No, no. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm just guessing. There. But I feel like it was that night he busted out or maybe the next day. We do see when we see the Foot Clan for the first time, they're at a rendezvous and they're literally just running in. I'm thinking maybe some of these things happened kind of Tarantino up a little bit. Because like you said, the Foot Clan literally are rendezvousing seemingly after the battle. Mm -hmm. Master Tetsu shows up and does his unique brand of leadership. (laughs) Yeah, just kicking kids' asses. (laughs) There's so many hitting kids. Was Ryan Reynolds in the background of this one also? There was a a very striking looking guy in the back. I was like, I think that's Ryan Reynolds. But he didn't didn't say anything. (laughs) Dave, I, I got a screen grab of this dude. Okay. He's not Ryan Reynolds, but I can see where you're getting that from. Oh, you got it? Let's let's check it out. Oh, shit. He looks just like him, though. Damn. Yeah, it really threw me off. There's definitely a resemblance. Yeah. So I'll give you that. It's but his it's, older it's, brother, it's... Brian Reynolds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty close. That's pretty close. We'll tweet at him and see, see what he has to say about it. This you, bro? Okay, so yeah, we see this. Tetsu beats up these kids. Everybody loves beating up these youths. There's, there only seems to be a handful of guys. And then Shredder returns. Tetsu has a great line here where he says, Let any who challenge step forward. And then Shredder goes, I challenge. Man. Yeah, I feel like Tetsu is like, obviously I didn't mean you. Like, if, if you're back, that's cool. We don't have to do any challenging. My favorite part is that Shredder's like creeping up on it because he's a ninja. So like, obviously, you know, my dude's been like eavesdropping for like an hour and he was just mm-hmm. waiting. He was like, oh, fuck, I knew he was going to say this. This is the perfect <laughs> entrance. And he jumps down. I challenge. That's great, man. The voice acting in this is everybody except Donatello. Mm, Magnifi. Not to say that Donatello is a bad voice. It's just not my Donatello. Hashtag not my Donatello. Did you say that was Kevin Nash? Clash. Kevin Clash is Splinter. Yes. Kevin, Kevin Nash. Nash is super shredder. Which is interesting because they mentioned... Didn't we see these guys on WrestleMania? Yeah. 
He hadn't been at this point, but he would. So quite prophetic. What's the fucking deal with Super Shredder, guys? We're going to have a whole segment. We're going to have a whole segment on Super Shredder. So Shredder's back. And Shredder's first order of business is to set people to follow April O'Neil. Because he says, Follow the reporter. She's the key to finding the creature that is to me. Yeah, I mean, obviously, why wouldn't you follow her home from work? The known associate of the Ninja Turtles. Come on, guys. This is why Tetsu <laughs> is the second in command. He's never going to rise. He can never be a leader. Mm-mm. That's like that's like step one. <laughs> Always uh, an assistant, never senpai. Get that weeb shit out of here! <laughs> Notice me, Shredder. <laughs> oh, boy. You can cut that. <laughs> hey, that's my bit. <laughs> Joining me on the final day of their cleanup efforts... Techno-Global Research Industries spokesman, Professor Jordan Perry. T-G-R-I. How come the logo isn't better for this fucking company? This pissed me off so bad. I, I mean, I've got like a graphic. <laughs> but there's $25 million. They couldn't toss a dude 20 bucks to design a logo for this stupid company? That made me mad. So, TGRI, this, it's a site of an ecological disaster. They're doing a cleanup, and April O'Neil is there for the scoop. She's interviewing the head of the thing, the professor. I'm not going to say his name because they just call him the professor. Why a professor is in charge of this, that's not a qualification for anything, really. I'd imagine he has a PhD. But anyhow, so he's the professor, wonderful character, actor David Warner. He's great. But he's basically saying they had a spill here. They're cleaning up their mess. They're doing corporate accountability, whatever. As they leave... April thinks there's something shady going on. And as they're leaving, one of her staffers, I guess, who is an undercover Foot Clan agent, discovers these giant dandelions that have been mutated. Freddy's a snake. You can put ooze on tomatoes and cure global hunger. I don't know why they were so mad about big dandelions. We already talked about how it turned the turtles into more humanoid type things. Yeah. So I don't want to know what it would do to the food. There has not been sufficient testing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it makes these big-ass dandelions. And rightly, Freddy is like, okay, hold on. My boss is going to want to know about this. Grabs a dandelion, runs back to Shredder, and Shredder's like, oh, yeah, we're going to get us some of that. So Shredder and Tatsu plan to raid TGRI to get that goop. Conversely, the turtles are about to head there as well because Splinter did a meditate and showed the rest of the turtles the canister that the ooze that mutated them had came from, and he puts the pieces together, solves the mystery. Oh, my God, it's TGRI. So, a couple things. Please, make this make sense for me. Well, I don't think I can do that. But (laughs) I do like that Shredder does throw Freddy for a loop a little bit there, because he's like, This is not the reason I sent you to follow her. Then he's like all apologizing. And then Shredder's like, silence. This may be even better. Why don't you just start with that? I thought you were were scolding me. Hey, man, they're ninjas. They got to keep nimble. Also, whenever April returns, I hate to stay in the toilet. Uh Uh-huh, right. Uh, (laughs) But whenever she returns, she asks where Splinter is. And the guys are like, he's on the roof. And she says, why is he on the roof? And he comes out and his timing is so terrible. He's like, coming to a decision. I'm like, why'd you hang on to that for so long? That was going to be my intro. I was going to say coming to a decision, but I decided to go with yeah, a little too, Dave. <laughs> that's probably best. Right. It would be a little <laughs> premature. Hey, hey. Nerdbot, nerd release the confetti. He said it. The secret <laughs> word. 
Yeah, we get back to uh, to TGRI and the professor. The lab was originally supposed to have like alien stuff in it, but they cut it. Well, yeah. So that's from the comics. It was TCRI, which is Techno Cosmic Research Institute, oh. and the ooze came from the Utrams, which are a stranded alien race. Hell yeah! And yeah, yeah, and that's what uh, Krang was based off of. Mm-hmm. Dimension X, baby. Spoiler alert: You don't get this, but there was supposed to be a final scene where the professor opens his shirt. And there's oh. a Utram in there. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. And he's giving that last bit of the ooze to it. Oh, shit. Yeah. Because he's just a vessel carrying that Utram around. Man, they fucked this movie up. That would have been so cool. See, this studio notes. They mm-hmm. made them change it. They didn't want it to be from outer space. Was the professor supposed to be Baxter Stockman? We'll get into that in the comic convergence a Fair little enough. later, Dave. They didn't want to put that in because kids would think it was Krang. Mm-hmm. And they're well, trying to make it crang, baby. Yeah, yeah, make it crang. That'd have been cool. Were they mad that kids would be happy about that? But then why was Krang helping them the whole time? I don't know. Number three, a betrayal. Yeah, th- that would be perfect. That's such a better movie. Turtles number three, the doctor who disappeared mysteriously is back, needs their helps, but oops a dups, he's the fucking bad guy now. And then he teams up with Shredder, who he resurrected through cybernetic tech, and he's a techno shredder. And then mm. there you go. More toys. That would be cool. I mean, Samurai Turtles is great. I love that, but... Oh, Samurai Turtles is great. So we see the professor in the lab, and he's so expository to say, as he picks up that last jar of ooze, well, you're the last one, aren't you? (laughs) (laughs) Why did he have a computer program set to dump one of them at a time? The budget constraints. I mean, they're not making money off this stuff. Couldn't they just have them all dump all at once? Why did they have to break each tube one at a time? Well, isn't that the problem, right? They were all dumped all at once before in leaky canisters. Mm-hmm. I guess. I agree with all of that. That all makes sense. But I don't care because Turtles was my thing as a kid. This was not my favorite of the movies, but I've watched it a million billion times. But for whatever reason, when that ooze is moving through those tubes... It is the most satisfying visual because it happens a couple of times. But the way that it is designed and the color and the Mm -hmm. way it moves through these clear tubes is so satisfying. When he puts that canister in there, I totally forgot about that scene. But I was like, oh, we're going to get some good ooze tube work coming up here, guys. (laughs) That was all practical effect, right? Because it looked looked so so good. Yeah, yeah. They built this whole big room, and it looks dope. And it's Mm -hmm. like, you're really there. And it's just a bunch of, like, lights and wires and stuff. And it doesn't make sense. I think that's, like, a big problem with a lot of consumption of pop culture and media. Like, everyone has gone over everything so many times so the only new things to pick at sometimes are like the nitty-gritty details but at the same time for a lot of this stuff like that lab was bonkers there was nothing it was like the set of a nickelodeon game show it was just like all flashing (laughs) lights and beakers and shit but who cares it doesn't matter it looks cool so like come on ease up but okay so he's gonna do the last one and as he's about to put it in master tetsu he's there he stole it just the last Mm. one and they so they kidnap him and the canister and then this is another one of these temporal moments because they leave they're gone totally gone but then the turtles show up and have like some goof-em-ups we just talked about how smart shredder was he was like surely the turtles are gonna end up here so if we can nip this thing in the bud just okay but why would they bring the canister back with them to show off Oh, that's true. There is a canister back there. They brought it back with them. I completely forgot that the canister was still there. They could have easily just bailed. They're gone. They're free and clear. And then Tetsu 
sees the turtles and then is like, oh shit, let's get these guys that whoop up my Foot Clan constantly. We should teabag them now. Maybe it's a decoy. Oh, okay. It was already gone. A decoy canister. Uh-huh. The real canister's gone. Okay, all right. I like this. I like this space. We're giving Master Tetsu a little credit because he was such a badass yeah. in the first one, and here he's such an idiot. He's like, let me pour this ecto cooler into this other canister and leave it <laughs> leave it behind with my, the rest of my foot soldiers. I think it was more like Green Mondo if we're going to go that like, early uh, into the 90s. Well, I don't... You, I, oh, you don't remember that gel drink in the Kool-Aid top that you twisted off? I do remember there was a gel snack. Mondo. A gel snack. That would have the watermelon flavor. That the... Uh, I actually won one at the St. Angeles Fair in the summer of 91. Uh, it was... <laughs> this at, narrow casting. Yeah, here we go. This is, again, uh, narrow casting, the St. Angeles Fair. And it was like a snack. They called it or something, a tr- like a candy, but it was just goop. It was just corn syrup, colored green, and it was <laughs> ooze. I mean, I All love right, we that can shit. snip back in. Yeah, dude, they're definitely dumping that watermelon wipeout Mondo squeezer into that into that capsule. <laughs> Great reference, bro. Yeah, nailed. They're it. gonna love it. Your references are off the charts, bro. <laughs> <sighs> but that watermelon wipeout. It's artificially flavored. I would have never guessed. No, no, but there's no high fructose corn syrup. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles will return after these messages. We now return to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. This fight scene about to happen is probably the craziest thing I've ever watched on TV as an adult. Because there are just Foot Clan standing on balconies that are in this lab for some reason. Just dancing with these weird black tubes that are supposed to look like swords, I guess. But they aren't joining the fight. They're just staying back and dancing and showing off these weird hollow tubes. Those are your hype men. Uh, you've ever seen a, it's like a Vuvuzela or something, right? right? I mean, maybe they're just, they're just cheering their guys on. So probably you got your teenage foot soldiers and you got your slightly younger 12 year old foot soldiers. And those are the ones that you right. keep in the background. Right. Yeah. Right. They're, they're not there to, to the fight. Party going. They're just recruiting these guys. So they, they said like, this is all that's left. And there's only like six guys. So, but yeah, it's not really a fight scene. It's like more of like a chase and a game of hot potato. It's extremely nonviolent and pretty boring. There's quips all over. There's like football jokes throughout this, which I don't really. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of football there's jokes. A lot of football yeah, I knew the football jokes earlier in April's uh, thing. They throw in the pizza and he catches it on, on his side. And he's, yeah. yeah. There's more Touchdown. here. And there's, and there's some at the very end. They're like doing, oh, go along and throwing the canister, all that kind of bullshit. I will say, mm-hmm. even though it's not as dark as the first one, which I do like and prefer and keeps it current and still good to this day, they do capture that annoying energy of real teenagers. Yes. Yeah. yeah. A, real, a real teenager would turn getting that very serious ooze back into a football game and like a keep it away type game. And they do that little hand on the stick 
to the top of the stick and yeah. then he punches that guy. That's teenager written all over it. They're a lot more infantile in this and that kind of it tracks right. more to the cartoon mm-hmm. thing that they were going for. I think that's absolutely correct. It's really palpable. You can tell as soon as this movie starts like, oh, they went the other direction here. <laughs> we're doing mm-hmm. a different thing now. Less serious more cheesy goof-em-ups. It's like a sitcom kind of about a bunch of teens. And it's, you know, it's fine for that because they do capture that teenager energy perfectly. Like the scenes Mm -hmm. with her in the apartment when she's dealing with the turtles and it's so annoying and stuff like that. I mean, if you kept the audio and changed it to an episode of a Disney Channel sitcom of that time, it wouldn't miss a beat. It's got the same kind of energy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And there aren't too many like action movies at that time that used like run away as an option and they do it a <laughs> lot refreshing. in this movie <laughs> yeah. i mean that's a good ninja tactic i guess yeah. if you really think about it because you wouldn't fight you're like i'm out of here see ya they use it a lot the foot clan got the ooze by the way foot clan's got the ooze mm-hmm. and we cut back to april o'neill's apartment and the turtles are about to move out i think is the idea because is it michelangelo who takes down that model poster and i had to look up the model paulina poriskova uh, czechoslovakian yes. model was married to rico Kasich of the cars Oh. Until he passed away. Interesting. Yeah. So there's that. And then we get to a really hyper-aggressive Kino. Oh, yeah, man. This just continues the trend of men unwantedly barging into April's apartment. And it's, it sucks. Kino sucks. Yeah, Kino sucks. She has shown time and again how susceptible she is to that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so they, so they, she's asking they... for it? <laughs> no, she is just susceptible. That's all. She let her boss in and, like, and acted like it was no big deal. That's and true. also this time Kino came in and she acted like it was no big deal big deal yeah i mean she's certainly um defensive and trying to get him the hell out of there but he won't take no for an answer and notices a stray turtle toe and uh gives it a little tap revealing the ninja turtles it's a little alliteration corner for you big turtles no problem for him big rat pass makes him faint you had to get a faint scene and the hairier the monster, the better the faint. Certainly unexpected. And I do like that because it makes Kino out to be a little bit of a weenie, and I'm fine with that. I'm not hating on the actor because Ray is junior. I've, he's in a bunch of stuff. He's great. I think in this, when I was a kid, I thought Kino was the coolest fucking dude in the whole world. But now watching <laughs> it is kind of a critique of my younger self as well because uh, he's, he's a turd. He also met the turtles in the beginning of the movie, so that's probably why he didn't pass out. <laughs> fight. But he didn't pass out then, even whenever one of them gently put him head first in a trash can. That was funny. I really liked that. It's for your own good, kid. <laughs> but they had to rehash from the first movie where it's somebody wakes up from a faint and then we explain why we exist. There's lots of repetition. It, there's a lot of yeah. like beats that they are just like repeating. Like, okay, now is the point where they do, everybody does this joke. Now is the point where mm-hmm. this happens. Right. Now is the point when Raphael gets beaten up and separated. Kino is also like Casey Jones caffeine free though. He's Right. <laughs> yeah, he's the unthreatening Casey Jones. Doesn't mean you should let him into your apartment. True. Nah, he's a weasel. Especially but, when yeah. he's aggressively trying to open the door. Yeah. He's got a bad energy. He's got a really bad energy. You know, he needs to get educated. And I think with some time, he grows up and grows a little older. He'll he'll come into his own. But he needs a guiding hand, and he has not is not getting it so far. Hopefully, Splinter can help him out with that. We finally find out why they're named after Renaissance painters, because Splinter got the names from a Renaissance art book he found in a ditch. So that's a good explanation. But there's no explanation as to why he can read. 
<laughs> but hey. Why well, he has a like an Asian accent. His master was Japanese. He's mimicking his master's accent. Right. Okay. okay Nurture okay. versus That's nature. That's why he has a Japanese American, like American accent. Okay. He's actually I'll, I'll even, he's even from Japan too, right? They moved yeah. to America with mm-hmm. the rat. So, okay. There's lots of questions about Splinter, but I'm fine with it. Where does he get those clothes? I guess he makes them. It's fine. Anyhow. <laughs> Kawabunga. I made a funny. <laughs> I made another funny. There's some semantic discussion as to whether or not they were oozed or slimed. <laughs> <laughs> There's a really great bit here of Mikey having to do his punishment flips and then him faking it. And I, I really, that was, I thought that mm. was pretty endearing. So as soon as Kino hears that the foot are recruiting him, like, yo, check it out. I'll go undercover. And Splinter's like, nah, man, this is not great. We tried that. Didn't work. I think he was just mad that he didn't come up with the idea. <laughs> yeah, you have to like, you know how Splinter is. You have to make him think it was his idea. With Splinter, it's better to ask for uh, forgiveness than permission, you know? And they do that. And they do absolutely that. Well, Shredder didn't ask for permission either when he kidnapped that boy, the professor, and now he's making him mutate the two most dangerous animals that Tatsu could find. An alligator snapping turtle... And a wolf. Where did he get that baby wolf and baby snapping turtle? I want to see that scene of Master Tatsu at the zoo and aquarium, Mm -hmm. like, (laughs) sneaking them out. I just imagine him just basically raging right in the front door and just, like, kicking it open and walking in and smashing the the glass and picking them up. I mean, because he does do that cool ninja vanish bit. So, I mean, I guess he could be Mm -hmm. sneaky when he wants. So he just put these little critters in a bag together and... Their biggest tool is, like, child exploitation. So there's probably, like, some high school kid that, like, takes out the garbage and he, like, snuck them out or something. Because okay. he's sneaky. Tatsu's sneaky. He puts the he makes the <sighs> kids sneaky. do all the all his dirty work. So he's uh, he's uh, scot free, you know. That's the Foot Clan <laughs> recruitment model. It's like a pyramid scheme with beans <laughs> and cigarettes. <laughs> so this is the birth of um, Bebop and Rocksteady. Oh wait, no, no, not them, not them. This is Toka and Razor. The professor does some good ooze work here again, and he he like sprays them with ooze, and then looks at his watch. I thought that was really fun. <laughs> um, he's getting mutating. This is where the boys finally say goodbye to April. They're gonna go search for their new place. They don't get far before Raph gets pissed off and wants to go find the Foot Clan. They separate. He specifically leaves. Because of a bad joke. One no. of them made a really bad timeshare joke. Uh, no, he said, he, before that, he said, this is stupid. We know that Shredder's out there and we're playing Century 21. Yeah. Looking well, for real estate. Like, it's all fun because you're watching a movie and he's quipping. But if this is like the worst day of your life and your brother is just making jokes nonstop, you know, I, I can feel that. I can't imagine. No. That's also my energy. Um, it also would, would be bad. Raph goes off because, you know, you've got to repeat the Raph storms off bit. So he storms mm-hmm. off and they literally fall into their new home, an abandoned subway station. With a working mobile payphone. And power. And power. Electricity. It's a pretty good bit. <laughs> There's a good bogey bit. Oh, yeah. They do the Casablanca thing before they go down. Well, the lives of two people don't amount to a hill of beans in this crazy world, Elsa. That's why you're getting on that plane. I remember like saying that like someone like my aunt was leaving the house and I was like quoting, you know, Casablanca. And she's like, what are you fucking talking about? I was like, it's Ninja Turtles. It's not Ninja Turtles. It's Casablanca. Like, oh, okay. Well, I don't know. I'm a kid. Here you are, a child quoting classic cinema. Yeah, see? At an early age, a cinemaphile unwitting. (laughs) So they get to to the Foot Clan HQ 
And I got to say, it is nowhere near as nice as the Foot Clan HQ from number one. No way. With the cigars and bass guitars and the cigarettes. This was just like a bunch of tires and beat up cars. Well, it's like the safe house, you know? But they, they, yeah. they started building. Did you see that fucking wall of barrels? Come on. That's they rad. They did have a wall of barrels. You got to have that. Gotta all, have kind of, all, all kind of like places to hide. This is, as Donatello references later, this is like the best case scenario for ninjas, you know? Lots of shit to hide behind. Their ruse gets them inside. They have a couple trials where Kino has to beat some kid's ass. He and then he has to... Kino, like a true ninja turtle, beats up a bunch of youths. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he has to take some bells off of a mannequin without cheats. making any noise. Super but cool. But he cheats. Yeah, yeah Raph, Raph does that for him. Raph does it, but uh, yeah. And then their ruse lasts again for like 16 more seconds. They're captured immediately. <laughs> Could they have just found out where it was and then left? I think they were trying to. They didn't have to go all the way in. That was the plan, but then Raph. Whoa, what, what, what? He saw a ghost. Was that Shredder he saw? But Shredder's dead. Mm. And they move Shred in for head. a closer look, and then they're psh, captured. Yeah, you know, I was kind of bummed whenever he threw that tire at, at Master Tatsu that he didn't say, like, a pun like, oh, you're looking pretty tired or worn out or something. <laughs> Road worn. Hey, it looks like uh, this tire's as bald as your head. Right, yeah, or you look like a uh, hundred miles of bad road and yeah, something. Yet again, this is another repeat where Raph faces off against a bunch of Foot Clan soldiers and does a good job, all to let Kino escape so he can go get help. They let the Foot use weapons here. Oh, they yeah. They gotta look at them big sticks and they're beating up on them with them sticks. They might be pole noodles, but they look like big sticks. Well, that's okay for bad guys. It's uh, okay, um, right. You don't want your heroes to have weapons. Right. You, don't, I you, think... you should be able to do the path of least violence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because Kino whoops up on a bunch of people, but like he never touches a, a weapon per se. This is great, though. When Kino runs back to tell the rest of the turtles, he literally runs back and it shows him like running across the George Washington Bridge. Yeah. He's running across the GW Bridge and, and it's like miles. Like if he was from the other side of the river, my dude has been running for like a half hour, runs all the way downtown to April's apartment. I guess she lives in Manhattan. I don't know. She doesn't live on up above an antique store because that burned down. Yeah. So wherever her new place is, <laughs> my dude runs the whole way there. Uh, so they get the word to the turtles that they've got Raph. They get word from Kino. Actually, they don't. You don't even see them get word from Kino. They just appear and they say it's just like Kino said. Oh yeah, great. Dave. You want to talk about that joke? Oh, it was easy. A little too easy. There's yeah, Raph. There's... A little too Raph. The perimeter's quiet. Yeah. A little too quiet. Mm. Well, that was easy. Yeah. A little too easy. Look, it's Raph. Yeah. A little too Raph. It's the best that was joke the best one. in maybe any movie. Definitely the best joke in this one. This is the first of many, or this is the first <laughs> of two probably, not many, uh, but where they walk into a big old trap and there's a spotlight dude and he is just right on time. That dude is on it. He was in the first movie too. If they were going to set a trap, I would do it right about here spotlight right on they've got a very passionate audio visual guy there in the, in the foot yeah. clan that little two raf was there was two places where I, I got an actual laugh out of me and that was the first real laugh i got i mean i i kind of laughed at the movie earlier kind of at the expense of but this one that was the little two raf got a genuine belly laugh out of me there and when we find out that toka and reza are babies the reading yes. of oh, yeah, that's babies. babies got me very good. I laughed very hard. <laughs> that's a whole great arc. Yeah, babies! 
When they first like come out, that is so good because that is like the perfect moment when they're like, "Mama," and oh, God. <laughs> oh yeah, it was a good gag. They're stupid, and he's like, "They're idiots," and he realizes they're stupid. And that angle is the best part of this entire movie: the fact that they're just mm-hmm. dumb idiot babies is great. Mm-hmm. Well, they're very strong babies. They are very strong babies, yes. So the Shredder decides to not kill them. But here's my thing. Shredder (laughs) tells Tatsu, dispose of them. Motherfucker, how? They're (laughs) humongous. They're like 900 pounds easily. New York, you just put them in the sewer. It seemed Herculean because these are some big boys. You have to do it when they're not looking so the meat's still tender. Oh, come on. If I love these ugly little babies, but, you know, there's something wrong with both of them. That is absolutely for sure. The spotlight guy is on it, and then they spring the trap, which is a big, <laughs> a big old net. Yep. And uh, they're going to drop them on a bunch of pieces of spiky junk metal. Right. <laughs> on some pitchforks and such. <laughs> so stupid. It's so stupid. <laughs> the pitchforks are, like, observably dull, too. It, that would hurt we more. Never, we never find out what will happen there because Splinter's on the case and he does one move. He shoots one arrow to free the turtles and he's like, all right, guys, peace. Yeah. I'm old. I can't get do out a, of here. They do a good little joke about having insurance mutual of Splinter, dude. I never caught that before. There's a, nah. there's a couple of uh, Mike's quips that I actually understand now as opposed to, you know, previous. Just certainly went over my head. You know, it's a big fight. And then Toka and Razor come out, and they're armored up now, and they do a little battle with the Ninja Turtles and kind of throw them around. Donatello gets thrown through a house and finds a professor. So then they all run away and escape down a sewer drain. Right, run away. But they have to fight Toka and Razor there, too. And they go one at a time, which is the same thing they did against Shredder at the end of the first movie. Mm -hmm. That's, That's a terrible idea. With the exact same level of success. This is important, though. They're voiced by Frank Welker. They are Scooby-Doo. Both of them. Yeah. They're both Frank Welker. That's That makes sense. And they throw the one. They do the little bowling sound effects. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Was that from the first one, too? I'm pretty sure there was like a pin noise when Michelangelo does his Wheel of Fortune bit. I'm pretty sure there was a a bowling pin effect. But I wouldn't know how they rolled. Is that like a tire? Or is that a person that was rolled up on a ball like that? Because like, you know, it was sped up and all that. But like, what was that? Was that like a model? I'm betting they did like a model, ball-shaped model of a turtle and just rolled it. It was definitely overcranked a little bit too fast. There's no way that's a man. I can't believe that's a man. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? They they treated everybody very badly, which is why Hogue didn't want to come back. Yeah. So all this time, they they take down the foot easily, but because they do their tried and true one at a time tax strat, the the babies are too much to handle. So they run away uh, and take the professor with them back to their hideout where he kind of explains himself, the professor, and, and talks about like what the ooze is and how it was like kind of like a whoops that they... A green uh, colloidal gel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but the secret of the ooze is it was made in a lab. It's not even a secret, really. It's, just, it's so annoying. It makes me so angry. The real secret is that it's alien ooze. Mm-hmm. And it's, so, it's such a secret that they never tell you. <laughs> <laughs> you really gotta dive deep. It's actually the most perfect thing about this movie. Fair enough. I mean, it is a secret. It's a secret. So, you know, Donnie doesn't take it well that there's kind of an accident. And he kind of like, he's like, oh, but we're like a mistake. Yeah, a weird canister fell down a sewer. That's like knowledge you had this whole time. That's none of that new. Also, he's a science guy. Doesn't he kind of believe everything is random chance? It's different when you apply it to yourself, you know. 
I guess. A lot of stuff can be described or explained by saying these are teenagers and they're trying to figure out why am I here? That's one of the most youthful realizations. I don't know why I'm here. I thought I was special. I thought I was something just like one of a kind and I realize I'm one of a million. They're not one of a million. They're still four of a kind. Four of a kind. Yeah, that's that's pretty great. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, if you count Splinter, if you count Super Shredder, Toka, and Razor, they're just like like what eight of a kind. Coming to terms with like your own consciousness and like your own body and being is like a, a thing that happens to all teenagers. But I guess that's extra compounded when you live in a world of humans and you're a giant turtle monster with a weird cloaca instead of a penis. We, we're just watching them go through turtle puberty. Yeah, yeah. They also have working lips. They can whistle. <laughs> There's a lot of questions about their physiology. Wait, hang on. Real turtles can't whistle? <laughs> okay, well, we're right at the end here. The professor thinks he can work up a anti-mutagen. Shredder sends a message that the turtles need to meet at this site or they're going to unleash token razor like they did because they kind of let them out through the city and let them do a little rampage segment, which was a lot of fun. And I just oh, I love yeah. those little babies, yeah, that- man. April is asking the police, the police, chief. Uh, the police chief Stearns, who's just yes. still being Stearns from the first one. We got a whole new April, but that's just the same old Stearns. What most surprised me, which another parallel from the first movie, where we have the ninja with his full regalia and bracers stealing wallets in uh-huh. broad daylight. Uh-huh. We have Freddy, the camera guy for the news team, who just like rolls up on a highly populated street with film crews and whatnot. And he's like in full foot gear. And snatches up April to give her a little threatening ninja vanish. <laughs> I mean, he must be really damn good as a ninja because he just cuts in there in full gear, grips her up, broad daylight. And that's how they get the message to meet at the construction mm-hmm. site. They come up with a plan. The professor thinks he can develop an antimutagen, but the only thing is they have to get the monsters to eat it. So they got to get Toka and Razor to eat this mutagen, which they come up with a plan that they're going to put it in ice cubes trays and feed it to them in donuts. Yeah, they're using their turkey baster science projects to make the anti-mutagen. It leads to a really good New York joke. This is my second real laugh where he goes, I guess we should have used bagels because it didn't work. Yeah. Pretty good. I got a good laugh out of when Michelangelo dropped his pizza in the mixture and Donatello quickly started stirring. As if nothing had happened, yeah. That was my second big laugh. And I was extra impressed because it was body language and just the facial expression of the turtle. When they show up at the construction Mm -hmm. site, your spotlight guy is there again, on point, hitting, (laughs) blasting them. Oh, yeah, that's the second one. It's like, spotlight guy, go. They got the whole Foot Clan rave team up all mm-hmm. on these big beams, hyping up the fight between Toka and Razor and the Ninja Turtles. Honest to God, I, I have to admit, when Leonardo was like, stop, wait, we have to enact the ancient rituals of pre-fight. I literally just picked up the remote and skipped ahead 30 seconds. I was like, no, I can't. I, I'm gonna, I can't. I can't. I can't. <laughs> it was so bad. Oh, you missed a great bit because he says this is the ancient ritual of the pre-fight donut. And literally every person on set has to say pre-fight donut. <laughs> like, what? Well, I've never heard of this. It- You didn't miss it. You missed it. It was worth missing. They give the first donut to Toka. He eats it all gone. Truly a little baby. (laughs) No problem. And then he gives him the second one, which has the ice cube in it, and he figures it out. Now, A. Okay. Why didn't they make the first one? one? They both eat one, yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Why didn't they make the first one have the antigen in it? 
I think they all did. The first one didn't. No, the first one didn't have it. That was like a decoy. No, 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 no. Each Toka and Razor both are handed a donut and they scarf it immediately. Then right, they're handed but do a you second know the, donut. But is the ice cube in the first one? Yeah, they're they're all they're all plants. They have to be oh, okay. Plants. So they need to eat. The concept is is beyond me because if okay, they're supposed to it. eat just one donut, mm-hmm. why wouldn't no. you put enough anti mutagen in that that they only have to eat one? I'll break down the science for you here, Sam. Please. Don't worry. Break it down. <laughs> this is Reed's Science Corner. Here's what happens. So every donut in there is seeded because they actually almost forget about it. Mikey is so scared, he forgets even that they are having them. So I think the idea was, so they, they put it in an ice cube tray, made a bu- got a bunch of donuts, a dozen donuts, they, you know, ice cube trays, 12, whatever. So they stuff each one in each and give them one, hoping that they'll eat it and be like, oh, yeah, and then try to feed them all of them. But mm. what mm. happens is they only get one, which is why they don't, A, start to revert immediately, and it takes so long until they get into okay. the show later. Where, mm-hmm. And then also compounding that, they're also burping out in some of the best gags in the movie, burping out the CO2, which is why they need to jam the fire extinguisher in there so to let shrink me, them let me back. Reverse. Let me reverse. To not babies, but full-grown dangerous animals. Why didn't they just turn this gel into like a jelly... So or a custard, a, yeah. Actually, a custard, so it actually looks like it belongs in a donut. Obviously, an ice cube does not belong in a donut. Even baby wolves know that ice cubes don't belong in donuts. Sam, I am so glad you asked, because if, if you noticed during the scene when they are talking about it, it smells extremely bad. So I'm assuming Couldn't that the they turtles... they added a sweet... I mean, wouldn't the ice cube smell bad? Well, it was their undoing. I believe that uh, Toka felt the coldness of the ice cube. And for a baby, that would be very shocking to feel something cold in there. Exactly. So, so then why would you do that? I don't know. Maybe they weren't why cold. Why would you bake they You know what, Sam? Here's the thing. You can't bake it in there. It would break down the structural components. I don't know. Did you watch the movie? Did you? Did you? Were you not? Could they make it into an ice cream? Wolves eat intestines. They probably could have been fine eating some gross-tasting jelly inside of a donut. Guys, yeah, the plan so why worked. do ice cubes? They each had to, they ate one dodo a piece, and that was all they needed. Yeah, <laughs> make it into okay. icing. They're on a tight sketch. They had one idea. This was Mikey's roll, plan. I'm they, broken. We're, then we're, they quite, this is Mikey's plan. That's what I'll say. Okay, and then they quite literally roll into a club with vanilla ice on stage. Yeah, I, I love that you guys are really down in the nitty gritty about this anti mutagen <laughs> when we're about to kick down the literally inside the unbuilt construction site is a rave fair enough <laughs> vanilla ice party happening next door when did vanilla ice come out when did ice ice baby this is 91 because i believe vanilla ice is extremely famous at this point he's huge yeah he's playing at a warehouse <laughs> club <laughs> yeah ice ice baby year what year release there we go what is that 2003 fuck off that ain't right <laughs> was there a movie called ice ice baby 1990 so literally it came out august 1990 and this movie came out march 91 so this is the height of vanilla ice's power and i believe this is the start of his decline this is the the straw that broke the camel's back is this ninja rap meteoric yeah rise and fall he maybe he was a firework <laughs> anyhow so yeah, they're here. This is when the professor tells them, hey, they're burping. So you've got to get some CO2 in there. Here's some fire extinguishers. Squirt it in there. And it works. They become not babies, 
which kind of leads me to a point that the turtles are, they got a lot of negligent stuff going on. I guess they're, they're teenagers. They don't think shit through because they see just a regular wolf and a regular full grown alligator snapping turtle and a wolf. And they're just like, oh, well, they're not mutants anymore. No longer our problem. See ya. This will be safe in the middle of a concert. A couple of things. <laughs> they're pretty lucky that this fringe warehouse nightclub has charged fire extinguishers. Yeah. That seemed like pretty unlikely. And also, it seems like Vanilla Ice can't resist the urge to freestyle mm-hmm. about a lot of stuff he couldn't possibly know about. Well, there's that, and then there's the producers in the background that call the police and then say, never mind, they yeah, like never it. Mind, they like it. They like it. A fake call to NYPD doesn't go that well. Uh, well Actually, it probably know, does, because they're, they're probably pretty resistant to come out for any just normal nightclub with a bunch of grown turtles beating people up. It's got to be a little bit Fair more enough. than that to get <laughs> well, the NYPD out there. Yeah, so the NYPD's off the case. They hang up the phone. Literally, they say, okay, they like it, I guess. And the guy hangs up the phone, and then the Foot Clan immediately burst in. Then Shredder starts taking people hostage. Splinter's sitting with Kino, trying to calm his ass down. And Kino's like, nah, fuck off, I'm out of here. And then backflips his way into this warehouse, <laughs> ninja kicks the canister, which causes the woman then to be taken hostage by shredder don't worry pretty good though. dance sequence before that though oh yeah the choreographed pretty good dance. choreographed dance sequence can we forget the choreographed dance sequence mm. yes <laughs> no. moving on maybe we can not talk about it but i don't think i'll ever be able to forget that's fair that. while shredder has this gal hostage he yeah. says you've won the battle but the war <laughs> is far <laughs> from over and then i hit pause and i saw this 13 minutes left in the movie, and I was like, I'm, it's probably not that far from over. <laughs> the war is uh, super close to being over. Yeah, it's about 13-ish minutes or less. Six minutes uh, plus seven minutes of credits away from being over. Right. The greatest bit is that they make that speaker explode to make uh, him yeah. fly like 100 yards away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They do a lot of th- like throwing things really far. And yeet people cute. Like, being shot out of cannons in this. Yes, the yeet cutes. But I already did that one in Cap 1990, Dave. Oh, you sure did. I have to keep great track of this this stuff because <laughs> he's got a, if, he's got a if, spreadsheet. Yeah, if people if people listen and say he did the yeet cute already, then you know, <laughs> I already got the replicute. I got the meat. The meat cute was all I had for this one, really. And you had to bust me up. You're supposed to laugh and then <laughs> continue. <laughs> Instead, I'll fix him post. Yeah. I'll fix him post. <laughs> well, anyhow, Shredder got his own ass self sent through the fucking window. This is maybe the fourth or fifth time that we see Shredder stick his hand out of rubble that he's under. He loves yeah. that. And he's gonna do it again. He's gonna <laughs> do it again. He gets blasted out of the window and then Rebel Shredder comes out. Did we see him ooze himself yet? You don't see him ooze himself. You don't see him. He, has, himself, yeah. he has the ooze on his person and he's blasted mm-hmm. through this thing. So you either get the idea that while in the rubble he's able to drink the ooze or it explodes and like contact is enough. The anti-mutagen you have to ingest, but the mutagen you don't. Yeah, because they just spray them on those little BBs. Mm. But that was actually a, a dumbed down formula to make the babies stupid. The professor mm. mentions at one point that that was designed that way. And I think it was great. The results were, were amazing. I love those little mm-hmm. violent, those violent babies. But so Shredder, whether he did it on purpose or incidentally... He has been exposed to the ooze, and he is now 
super shredder. The gang follow him outside and are pulled through the bottom of the pier to face off against super shredder. And this is actually the only point in this whole movie where shredder contacts one of the turtles where he throws Leonardo here at one point. But yeah, he's gigantic. The ooze has made him gigantic and given him huge muscles and also huge spikes. It did make his spikes bigger. His spikes evolved and so did his weird buzzsaw cap evolved to a weirder, more buzzsaw cap. So I think you might have just answered a question for me because I was wondering why he's so dumb. Is it because Mm -hmm. that's the formula that makes those babies dumb? Is what makes him so dumb that he doesn't Mm -hmm. care one lick about the structural integrity. But yeah, here comes the final runaway moment though. Yeah. Yes. That is, that's the the whole, that's the... Weird turtles. They could have easily tricked him into knocking down the pillars but I guess they wanted it like the turtles doing no violence and all they did were just literally jumped off the pier at the last second. So it would have been infinitely cooler if they just kept arranging themselves to be attacked by him behind the pillar. Yes. He knocks a pillar down and it wouldn't have cost him any more money. Yeah. Like a turtle ATAT. Again, it, it yeah. seems like a studio note where it's like, oh, well, that, but then the turtles would have killed him because he dies at the end of this. He kills himself either way. He knocks down enough pillars. And at one point they say, stop, you're going to kill us all. And he's like, yeah, I love that. And he continues. Violence was bad, but suicide was fine. Yeah, well, so (laughs) the whole thing comes down and Leonardo says, guys, speaking of things that could have been cooler, he says, guys, don't worry. Remember that we're turtles. So in this viewing, I assumed that they would have went into their shells when the pier collapsed on them. But Mm -hmm. all they did was just jump in the water. Jumped in the water. Even people could do that. I mean, you don't have to be a turtle to do that. Anybody could do that. Yeah, they were under for what? Like... 10, 11 seconds? I could do that. Well, I couldn't. They're teens. I'm a bad swimmer, that's true. They're not very very smart, and they are actually awful ninjas, as we see later. They pose for pics with the news. (laughs) They're on, like, page six of the Hollywood Reporter. Yeah, front page, (laughs) Ninja Turtle pics, and Shredder is... The very small heading, though, Uh is that that the warehouse was destroyed, and at least one person died. Oh, shit. (laughs) It doesn't say that, but you know that Shredder died, so at least one person died. Uh There had to be more people died, for sure. But yeah, so that's it. They get a little punishment. Splinter gets to do another funny uh, 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 and we get another freeze frame. That's it, baby. End of movie. The punishment for killing someone is the same as the punishment for talking out of turn. Ten backflips. No difference. (laughs) Actually, I feel like that punishment is more for being seen than anything. (laughs) I don't think we care about killing. I mean, we, we can kill. They can kill whoever they want, as long as it keeps them obscured. Yeah, Invisible. yeah, that's yeah. that's the whole thing. They take it in a lighter direction, but you know, it's all about being discreet. All right, guys. Well, that wraps it up for Ninja Turtles, and we're gonna head to the comic convergence here, or maybe this time I should say comic divergence. Now you have to make a different audio. The only thing I had was that yeah, there's TGRI, TCRI stuff. Mm-hmm. And same with the me. Prof- the professor going, going to have an Utron in his stomach. It's hard to say that the first movie was true to the comics. It was true to the comics, I feel like, only in tone because even the original mm-hmm. Eastman and Laird, they're already like weird and wacky straight out of the gate. I mean, they're, they're already, they're fucking with aliens from almost like the very beginning. 
so it's a little bit more heightened. But I think the tone is always quite serious. And here they decided to go with the studio and the producers wanted to go in a direction that more matched the cartoon. They wanted that cartoon vibe because that's what was popular. Like, who cares if it's a good movie? Will kids love it? Then, okay, fine. That's what we're doing then. Not to say that this isn't a good movie, but it went from being a movie that kids loved to being a kid's movie. And I think that's the real divergence that happened here. So we've got Toka and Rezar instead of Bebop and Rocksteady. And that was a conscious decision because Eastman and Laird, this isn't the direction that they wanted to go. They wanted to go into Aliens and the Utoms. A couple of villains they were tossing around, they wanted to do Dr. Baxter because they thought Mousers would be a real easy villain to throw in. And, you know, at the end, he could get oozed and become a little fly, all that kind of stuff. One of the other villains they pitched was the Rat King they wanted to do because they thought it would make a really fun visual, which I thought would be cool. If that's your villain, you go in the sewers looking for a new home, and then you stumble upon another creature that has been contacted with the ooze. That's a great villain, you know, but the studio really wanted Shredder back in. So we made another Shredder. So they were like, nah, don't use Bebop and Rocksteady then. So if you want to make your own shit, make your own shit. And they said, okay, I guess we're making our own shit. And do you think that they called him Super Shredder because of like Super Mario was like pretty new around then. It just seemed like a very strange choice. I think you're halfway there. I think the only reason they would call him Super Shredder is so they could sell Shredder and Super Shredder toys. It's a toy decision, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that way you can make another Shredder that, because you already had Shredder, you can sell this Shredder with the buzzsaw. So they changed his costume once to have the buzzsaw on his head. Uh, So you can sell that one, and then you can sell Super Shredder. And there was a Super Shredder toy. There was Toka and Razor toys. I had had the turtle, which I thought is an interesting choice to go with a turtle is that just because they already had mm-hmm. the design it would just might be easy to fit all of the the stuff in the shell in a backpack it's like fuck it we'll just make a scarier turtle <laughs> it had to be the choice what's a scarier turtle then they're brainstorming it's like 5 a.m like a uh, scary turtle got it done <laughs> but yeah other than that there's not a lot of things this was kind of its own thing as far as you know the source material is concerned and they were just trying to capitalize the ninja turtle craze and ride that wave so whatever was quickest and easiest a bit about that craze axel rose almost missed a concert because of this movie he was at a premiere for this movie so it was an hour late to one of their uh one of their shows because of the turtle craze he was so in it oh man that's that guns that's and roses almost had to cancel a show for it if you you're at that show that that got held up write us in and tell us about your turtles experience <laughs> how has the turtles changed your life elsewise these are turtles these are the cowabunga dudes that we've come to know and love the ninja cowboys ninja pizza yeah the, these are the boys without trace splinter's perfect shredder's perfect new april o'neill but i think also spot on it's just kind of a, a plot for kids so they couldn't get too deep in it get ready for the next one where april gets a haircut Ooh, yes there is a certainly another sequel that will fall under our purview but that'll do it for the divergence Let's go into our favorite segment where we decide who's our hero and who's our villain in a little segment we like to call, Who's Your Hero? Who's Your Villain? (laughs) 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 Uh, Does anyone have strong feelings and want to go first? I'd like to go. Oh. Only because I see your show notes. <laughs> All right, we'll go. We'll, we'll go. We'll so go. Sam, take... Dave, and then me, because you guys know who my options. So go ahead. Can I start with a villain? Sure, we'll do villains, and then we'll pick our heroes. I'd like to pick Kino as a villain, and mostly just because 
A, he was just like a real bastard. You know, you get turned down from a girl. You don't. The next thing you do isn't just to say that they're fat. That's not cool. Yeah, it's fucked up. And man. then, Bad and then luck. his next big scene is he's aggressively entering a single woman's apartment. He has to assume that she's alone, even though the point is that he knows that she's not alone because mm-hmm. she's ordering so much pizza. But still, it's not. Why the hell is that up to the pizza guy to determine? Right. And then, and then the next thing he does <laughs> is they get they get gets busted at the foot. And then the next thing he does is he inserts himself into a situation needlessly at the club. And for that reason, Kino is my villain. Dave, give me a quick line about his pizza handling as well. Oh, uh, straight up and down. Straight do that up with... and down. There is no cheese do left on that pizza. Yep. Especially if you've seen this pizza, it's the gooeyest pizza there is. His pizza handling. All that yeah. goo is going to settle right to the side of the box. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But is it so gooey? Does it stay gooey that whenever you turn it the right way, does the goo? Absolutely not. No. Re- this is the bad kind of enter. Yeah. It's on two slices. I'm just trying to give him a break. No. He's your villain, and he's rightly your villain. If you hadn't picked yeah, him, I would have. But Dave, who would you pick as your villain of this movie? My villain is Vanilla Ice and his crew. Mm-hmm. Instead mm-hmm. of stopping their show, they decided to freestyle rap about things like Sam said they couldn't know about, then prank call the police, and then they started to hit the turtles when they were trying to get up on stage to get the picture for the news. Uh-huh, uh-huh, These guys uh-huh. were monsters all around. <laughs> In a way, though, uh, Vanilla Ice is very prophetic, and you sort of have to wonder where he gets his secrets. How does he know about these Ninja Turtles? Because he was in the know ahead of time. He knew their whole, to, he to knew their whole vibe. Yeah. Their whole deal. I didn't look up the lyrics, but I bet you he mentions Shredder and Splinter in the song. I bet. There's <laughs> no bet way to you. know. And he couldn't possibly have seen them at that point in time. Devil's Did you advocate. ever see a turtle get down? <laughs> Devil's Advocate Corner. I mean, there's been rumors. There's been rumors of turtles. That's all I'll say. Also, April O'Neil talks about them on the news um, like every day, apparently. Lists them all by name. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, way to be a, the biggest sellout. Splinter is literally anyway. watching, going, "Oh my god, April, what are you doing?" Oh, <laughs> all right. A quick editorial: He does not mention Shredder or Splinter in his rap, so it's possible that he just knows about Ninja Turtles. But at the very last line of Ninja Rap is "Out with the Gladiator, baby," and I don't know what that means. <laughs> See, their power of the ninja is strong. Fighting all the crooks until they're all O-gone. <laughs> wise. O-gone? Wise. That's wise. Thank you. Thank you for that reading, Sam. Well, anyway, <laughs> hitting like a Ninja Turtle when the base kicks in, you better check your level. Ooh, that's bad. Yeah. That's still pretty bad, Ice. Sorry, baby. <laughs> yeah. Mm, yeah. Villains, you better run and hide because one day you might not slide. So choose your weapon. Don't slip. Vanilla's in control with mm-hmm. the flex of the mic grip. Sure. And I have to do this one. Yeah. How close is Vanilla to an anagram for villain? That's it's very close. Oh. Is it one? No. I don't know. It's it's a, it's an anagram for Valen, <laughs> but not for villain. I think. Right? Vanilla. There's not enough eyes. You're but there's there's an extra A though. Yeah. So Valen. Villena. Anyway. So, my villain. Valine. My villain, similar to Ice, Ice Baby, 
is this fucking studio notes this movie it's kind of perfect in how structured it is to be a perfect movie to sell toys and get kids excited to like push vhs sales it's perfect and it's visibly perfect and those moments are so not jarring but so obvious that any moment of like immersion you get in this film you're immediately ripped out because it's just obvious that like, oh, why would this happen? What? And you're like, oh, okay, well, like it's a studio note. The whole movie is like that. So they are my villain, but I'm going to turn a corner. We're going to get positive here. And my hero of this movie, and I'm going to have two heroes. I'll say that. My heroes are those beautiful little danger babies, Toka and Razor. They are perfect, amazing creatures, um, and I will love them forever. They're very lovable. They got that the first bit where they're saying mama, and then whenever they are busting up the town, Mm -hmm. they have that line, Master say, have fun. (laughs) He gives them, Schroeder gives them the go play. Go play. Classic, (laughs) classic (laughs) Foot Clan line. Why was their voice so high pitched, but their growls were so low? It's just endearing. They're little BBs. They're BBs. They don't have it figured out yet. They can do no wrong. Big mistake looking up Turtle Cloaca. Well, like I changed my villain to all the all the turtle butthole talk. <laughs> Huge mistake. All right, Dave, who's your hero? Who stood out to you, be it a villain or a hero? What was your favorite thing here? You guys were looking at this with woke eyes. Kino was my hero. He was ready to clown. He was ready to fight <laughs> right away. He saw 30 bad guys robbing a mall. And he's like, I can do this. But when then there's 40, he was having problems. But he was ready to fight, ready to quip, ready to deal. He wanted to be a part of it right away. So you like Kino because of his hubris. He was eager and willing to help. Well, yes. <laughs> so all the, reasons, like that. All, all the reasons that he's Sam's villain is the same reasons that it stays here. This is great, guys. That's the whole dynamic, y'all. You're looking at it with 2021 eyes. You got to look at it with 1991 eyes. This dude was the yeah. coolest kid ever. If you are a person who's into Rufio, if you are like six, like if that's your vibe, then you're going to love Kino, baby. That's what I'll say. Sam, who's your hero? Uh, my hero's got to be the show promoter who nabbed Vanilla Ice for the Warehouse <laughs> Club gig. Because that dude, imagine the accounting gymnastics he had to do to say, oh, no, for sure, Vanilla, we're going to make we're going to get you that. 50 G's. There's no way we're not going to make that at the gate. Easy peasy. $1,000 a ticket. If they sold a million soft pretzels at that show, (laughs) they still wouldn't be able to afford vanilla ice. Literally. They had like a punch table. There wasn't even a bar. They're not making money. That was like a a charity gig for vanilla ice at this warehouse club. Look, I have to imagine the only thing that I could consider because when the turtles bust in and start fighting, when monsters literally bust into this room and start fighting and burping everywhere, The one guy, like the featured extra in here, says, wow, this is great. I love this place. So it seems like he has a familiarity with this weird rave. It it is like an underground, a known place. Look at these costumes. This place is great. So like, I know New York has those fringe clubs where, you know, you can go here if you're just like a unicorn, like weird shit like that. Stefan stuff. Right. But you're not going to get the A1 act. You're going to get some weird indie act to do that club and they'll dress like unicorns as well you're not going to get vanilla (laughs) ice to not only show up but show out because he had a specific song prepared for that specific show unless 
Unless. <laughs> oh, we can't use that. Yeah, I know. We can't use that. That's not right. We can't do that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but what if this is a mob run thing and this is a way to launder money? I was thinking Vanilla Ice is getting paid in cocaine for this gig. Absolutely. Okay, that could be. And that's why everybody loves it, baby, because monsters bust in and they're like, woo, love it. And it's also why the cops are okay with not coming. Or like the promoter's <laughs> his cousin. And he's like, you got to do me this one favor, Vanilla. But he's a private party. Let's say that. It's a, it's a private party and a social event. And well, he did have that song on deck. And I... Cannot believe that um, he's that good at freestyling to write a whole ninja ninja rap because, I mean, everybody knows the dance already. So, I mean, that's suspicious to me. It's suspicious, <laughs> but those lyrics are really bad. So, I mean, maybe he did freestyle it. I mean, maybe he is that good. Someone said, hey, like, you know about Ninja Turtles? And he was like, yeah, like, can you write a song? Yeah. I, I could so see like, him like, going, okay, yeah, yeah, ninja, ninja, rap. I mean, that's Vanilla Ice stuff right there. They all had very sexual thrusting all at the same time. This was a planned dance. They had the dance moves prepped. If you want to see a pickle, he'll show you a pickle. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. But it's, but it's a pickle that I also poop out of. <laughs> <sighs> All right, guys. At Nerdaplexy Pod on <laughs> no, we Twitter. Don't, we don't, I don't think we want to uh, advertise right after that. There's got to be a better way. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? A butthole gherkin. <laughs> Guys, you can tell we've had a lot of fun with this movie. Let's find out what the critics thought. Okay, we've got Rotten Tomatoes, that tomato meter. 35%, not great. Not looking great. Audience scored at a 67%. So, I mean, yeah, not too bad. Metacritic's similar. It's at a, a, you know, like a 3.4 and a 6.65. Uh, That's fine. Now, this movie, the budget was $25 million. Opening weekend, they made $20 mil. So, that's pretty good. Almost the budget back the first weekend. It only basically doubled that. The domestic gross in U.S. and Canada was 54 and the worldwide, 78 So, not bad. I think that was less, though, than the first movie if I'm not mistaken. I think the first movie cracked 100 mil, but I could be wrong about that. Yeah, that seems high, right? That seems high. Anyhow, all right, we're kind of at the end here, guys. But before we get into what our opinions and whether we'd recommend this movie, let's talk about the next movie we'll be watching, the 1992 horror slasher, Dr. Giggles. I've never seen this. Have you guys seen this one? I've never seen it. I've never heard of it. Based on a comic, I think of the same name, Dr. Giggles, but this movie, it's set in 1957, and Larry Drake, the mm. uh, mobster from Darkman, okay. is, is our hero here, who plays Evan Rendell, and he's apparently fleeing after his father is killed for killing multiple patients to find a heart for his ailing wife. Oh, this is buck wild, guys. Now, I do know that this has a pretty strong occult following. People who dig this movie really dig it did you say it has an occult following so ghosts watch it Ooh, spooky yeah i mean ghost ghouls which yeah, is they watch this. warlocks they love Urbans. it it's right up their alley but i think this might be up our alley as well because we're all big horror fans here and um uh, larry drake being a slasher killer i'm into that so be sure to check that one out for next time or i mean like don't but we'll get into dr giggles a little bit more on the see if we mini. care yeah. <laughs> you don't have to watch it yeah watch it or don't i mean i don't normally you know watch I... it or don't it's fine how did you guys feel about this movie did you enjoy it 
And would you recommend it, David? As our guest, I think it's uh, more than appropriate that you uh, go first and let us know what you feel about this one. I was super excited to watch this movie as an adult because I haven't watched it in a very long time. And then going back to it, it felt like I was stabbing a child the whole time. I would not recommend going back to this movie. This is one of the worst things. That's weirdly specific, put... my dude. Well, that's, I don't know that's what the... that feels like, Dave. Yeah, well, the foot on, plan, the foot plan like, knows. That's not, you're trying to make this relatable. Hey, uh, yeah, you know how to... it feels when you, you, know, when you murder a, a human. It, it felt like I was murdering my own childhood is what I meant. Sorry. Okay. I okay. See. okay. I stuttered that? over my own self. Okay. Whew, Dave. You want to take another? I can hang this call up. Oh, boy. We're let's, okay. Let's All take right. another go. That makes I'm, much more sense. I was really excited to watch this movie, <sighs> but it felt like I was killing my own childhood. Oh. It was not a recommend. Not a recommend. I say I recommend it for the young and young at heart and old and senile. <laughs> There's a lot of bright colors, a lot of good feels. A lot of wise cracks, mm-hmm. nice short a lot segments, of bust em ups, easy to high jinks, shenanigans. Yep, it had it all for me. I watched this recently with my kids, so we had a blast watching it. And to watch by myself as a thirty-something adult is—it's a little trying because it is obviously catered to kids. But I think they crack that code where it's a teen movie about teens and i believe that these turtles are teenage they're going through what teenage humans go through yeah they're having realizations of not being unique and they're laughing and joking their way through it the best they can but I think they do a good job at that teen existentialism. Yeah, for sure. I, and I think you cracked the code, honestly. I think you're the absolute target demographic for this movie because that's who I would suggest this movie to, certainly, is to watch with kids. And it's great, especially if you had a connection with the Turtles. It's a movie that it's not hard to watch. This movie goes down smooth. There's not a lot to it, though, because of exactly the reasons why it's a good movie to watch with kids. All of the important plot things are hammered home again and again. It's like very recognizable visuals. You know, the canister, they show it multiple times. Like, here's the ooze. Guys, here's the ooze. So it seems driven towards that. But I think this movie is designed to be watched with kids. And I think that's the optimal experience. Like I have a nephew and eventually if he's hanging out at the house, I'll be like, hey, let's put on Ninja Turtles too, baby. I'll get the pizza ready and like we'll we'll watch this movie. That being said, it's a worth the watch for a nostalgia if you haven't seen it in a very long time or if you have some kids to show it to. Other than that, this one's kind of a skip for me. It's not easy to watch, objectively good, but I wouldn't give two hours of my life to watch. I don't think I'll watch this one again, to be perfectly honest, without someone else to watch it with. I'll have fond memories to cherish for the rest of my days watching this as a kid, but um, I'll probably watch it again tomorrow and in another week, because uh-huh. that's how that's how kids watch movies over and over and over again. I think this movie is literally designed for that. I think this movie was perfectly designed for a VHS. Put it on. It plays. It plays. There's a song in the middle. That's the end. Rewind. It's nice and right. easy. This would be one of the movies as a kid I would put on as I was doing something else. Like we're playing mm-hmm. action figures. This will be on in the background. I'll put on Ninja Turtles, you know, because you don't have to right. watch it because you're like, oh, wait, they're doing a fight scene. Here's Super Shredder. All right, go Ninja, like, go Ninja, go. Yeah. It's like classical music for children. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's movies. You put it on. You're a little more productive while <laughs> the turtles are on in the background. 
<laughs> Absolutely. This is a movie specifically for the VHS age. And I think even for that, it is worth a watch for that in and of itself because it's a like masterpiece of mediocrity is what I will call this. It falls into the trap of sequels where it's just been studio noted to death. And I'm sure this will not be the last time we have a discussion kind of like this about a great movie and a okay but extremely successful sequel uh, this is a kids movie with a capital z a a a a very 90s and four children but all right thank you guys i think that'll just about wrap this episode up thank you so much for listening um very special thanks to our very special guest dave you can check him at <laughs> at the face of dave uh, on Twitter. He handles all of our social media as well over at Pod on Twitter. You can email us at nerdaplexypodcast at gmail.com. Our anchor site, we've got all of our episodes there where you can uh, make a donation if you want to become a monthly subscriber there at nerdaplexy.com. Uh, there you can uh, support us at a monthly level. And if you do support us at the $5 level, you get to pick a bonus episode for a movie we will watch. Also, I'll give a very special thank you to the cast and crew of Ninja Turtles to Secret of the Ooze. It's a lot of fun. It wasn't a great movie, but it was enjoyable. Only for the nostalgia. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, hit us up and we'll be reading your replies over on the mini Next time we'll be, do, we'll be covering Dr. Giggles as our movie, but until we meet again, I'd like to leave you uh, with this thought to ponder. I feel like we gave them a lot to ponder on this episode. <laughs> <laughs>